housekeeper, the world's greatest seventh grader. What can I say? I totally rule. Favorite? And all the other kids just wish they were me. At least, that's my dream. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is real life. It's gonna be a rough year for you. Filled with real jerks. No, 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 no! And even the principal is a real problem. I've got my eye on you, Max Keeble. But today... I've got big news. I'm getting a chance to make all my dreams come true. We're moving to Chicago. We're moving! Welcome back to another episode of Below Freezing with CJ and Micah. I'm CJ. I'm Micah. And this is a weekly show where we do our best to unthaw a new movie that comes in at or below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes and see whether or not it's still fresh or freezer burnt. Uh, This week, we are doing our first Disney movie, Micah. Our first one. I can't believe it took us this long, honestly. <laughs> and it's so wild because, like, even, like, I, when I sat down to watch it, right, it started with, like, the the blue and white castle mm-hmm. logo and the, just it was sort of like a nostalgia overload. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. in a way that and it reminded me, like, of how simplistic it, it was simpler times before uh, before they decided to uh, CGify the entire Cinderella's castle mm-hmm. with uh-huh. the fireworks. Yeah. Some, I think there's a train going through it now. It's, it's over a it's over a pond. It's a whole it's production. It's a whole horse and just pony show. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, we're we're OG Disney people. Disney people TM as uh, as we referred mm-hmm. to ourselves last week, and. <laughs> TM is like my real housewives like, <laughs> like signature now <laughs> like I just put it after anything but when I thought of Disney movies to do I was thinking of like wow are there any sort of renaissance movies that we could do any of the animated things and really for the most part Disney's animation studios um, get uh, pretty widespread acclaim even like mm-hmm. the ones that don't work all the way. Yeah. So I had to sort of venture live action. And I thought back to myself, what's a live action Disney movie that um, might fall under this criteria? And uh, the first thing it led me to was Max Keeble's Big Move. <laughs> yeah! The Keeble! So... <laughs> Um, if you couldn't tell, <laughs> returning to the pod is uh, our good friend Dan Purcell. Hey, Dan. Hello, everybody. Thank Welcome you guys. back. Thank you so much for having me back on. You were so excited. I am the most excited for this. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we we brought you back to unthaw Max Keeble's big move, a.k.a. Ferris Jr.'s day off. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it's it, this movie is really wild uh, yes. because it like it is such a time capsule thing it came out oh, in 2000 yeah. like 2000 proper right yeah. um, like 2002 2001 2001 so still like the edge of the millennium yes, yes. and <laughs> you can tell oh yes but before we yes. jump all the way into it micah do you have the rotten tomato score and consensus pulled up i do so its score is 29 percent 
and mm-hmm. the critics' consensus is Max Me- Max Keeble may be fun for kids, but bland and unoriginal for adults. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was not gonna disagree with them. <laughs> okay, so here's that's something fine. that's very interesting: is that. You very rarely see kids' movies like this anymore. Right. This this, yeah. this comes from a very specific class of children's film. It does. That I feel like started around, I don't know, blank check. Yeah. And, you know, it. so many of the, them fall under this particular umbrella. I remember the movie Clock Stoppers. Do you remember the movie Clock yes, Stoppers? Yes, I vaguely uh, remember Clock Stoppers. <laughs> um, and all these movies, they sort of feel, feel the same. They aren't like littered with pop culture references because I think Shrek sort of ruined kids movies in that way yeah. for that a little bit but they also um are like so distinctly of their time because one they usually all feature like television talent yeah and th- the references that are there are references to stuff that is always was always being advertised to children at that particular point in time right. like there's this movie opens with a dream sequence like it, it's a like pop punk BMX <laughs> opening dream sequence yeah tony hawk is there he's there <laughs> For no reason. I didn't remember it being a dream sequence, uh, even though, like, there were all the telltale signes were there. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, like, the, like the ice cream cone cannon on top of the ice oh cream truck. There's just, yeah, it, there's it just been, a lot. It had been so long since I'd seen it that, yeah, I couldn't remember if it was a dream sequence or if this was just getting real surreal real quick. Yeah. Because, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like a Disney kids movie. Who knows if it's just going to be that, yeah. like heightened version of reality but no no it, it is a dream sequence and it is odd yeah it, yeah it starts <laughs> like it this sort of super serious kind of like a super spy or superhero yes. kind of uh feel to it that like exactly. really uh, i mean the lizzie mcguire movie also starts that way it does um <laughs> it, and it really puts you in the middle of it because i the first note i was like Okay, this is a children's film. Did you check did you guys check that homage to Mission Impossible 2? Oh no, I didn't because Mission Impossible 2 is the only one that I I've seen like only once. It's like one of the Conversely. it's one of the most iconic shots. They pay uh homage to the to the shot where Tom Cruise throws his sunglasses that he's just gotten his mission from and they mm. explode. And so like gotcha. Max Keeble has his flip phone circa 2001 <laughs> or sir, flip pager was that a flip pager oh, we'll we'll talk about the technology in this movie <laughs> and there's a b plot in here that like oh yes revolves around a palm pilot yes it does although i don't think they ever actually call it that because like branding yes probably um but he has that he has that flip pager and he's like your mission should you choose to accept it uh deliver all of the paper across the neighborhood and then he chucks it and it explodes into the title and i was like wow they straight up ripped off mission impossible 2 oof, <laughs> well that's oof, fun oof. the uh, only mission impossible i have seen is fallout that's a good uh, one. which is the most recent one it's it's the only one that i have seen <laughs> i was just there for henry cavill and his biceps if we're being honest yo those were loading biceps though <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so many of my notes for this movie are just um, insert actor is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's like ninety percent of mine. Um, like I and I was trying to remember a lot of it. Like I was like, is Robert Carradine the dad? Yes. And Robert Carradine was the dad. Yeah. He was also the dad on Lizzie McGuire. He's mm-hmm. the son of. Um, David Carradine, I believe. Of Kill Bill. David fame. Carradine, who's Bill and Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. okay. And, really? And I was uh I was like, I'm I'm pretty sure that's him, and it was him. Uh so the movie revolves around Max Keeble, who is a boy with a paper route who is starting uh middle school and headed into the lion's den thinking that everything's gonna be great. Can we just talk about like his last name for a second like uh-huh <laughs> i'm sorry but like i've <laughs> never since watching this movie back when i was a kid and like before then i've never heard a last name more distinct than keeble that's it <laughs> it's definitely different i've never heard it as a last Me name not outside of before. this movie <laughs> yeah yeah which maybe was intentional. It makes the like titles Pop stand yeah. out just, more because it's like a different name. Right. I just have no idea how they came up with it unless it was like, unless they had the script and then they gave it to Disney and they were like, hmm, this needs a little bit more of a pop to it. Let's pass it yeah, off to our marketing team. It can't be Max Johnson's big move. <laughs> yeah. Or Malcolm Smith or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... It, a lot of the stuff that dates this movie, um, though the slang term that only exists in this movie, fatitude. Fatitude. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, got. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> my sentiments exactly. Um, but he he learns that his mid- he learns that middle school isn't you know all it seems. We're introduced to uh, his friends, one played by Zena Gray from Snow Day, yep. who is here to uh, pout because that's also what she did. It is also what she did in Snow Day. Um, and then there is uh, Josh Peck of. Um, our childhoods and <laughs> of the noted um, at his absolute cutest yes. as a as as a uh, as a a burly young man who eats literal garbage <laughs> um, <laughs> and wears exclusively a bathrobe for no discernible reason yes. um but i also um I, I wasn't i was like oh yeah that is definitely a thing that kids do because i have a cousin who I won't name, and I have a shit ton of them, so it, it's relatively anonymous. <laughs> um, that won a kilt in like a warrior dash type thing and wore it to school every Monday for, of his eighth grade year. Like my aunt was like embarrassed to drop him off. Like, oh my god, that is my that's kid. hilarious. Every single Monday, this kid wore that kilt. So I was like, yeah, that's that's a thing that like kids do, and it's I'm not adorable. gonna lie, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, he was like impressed with himself. Like, oh, I won this. Like, I've got to yeah. wear it. Every Every Monday, but also like it's a kilt and yeah. you're in the eighth grade. <laughs> the one thing that I'm so like, like, I mean, maybe outside of Zena Gray's character, but everybody, every kid in this movie, I think for the most part has like a thing, you know? They've got like a thing yeah. about them. And I think that would that would be an entirely different. Th- that would be a whole nother Disney Channel original movie it would. in and of itself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
but um the, yeah there's uh the uh pretty girl who is always introduced to the song hit me baby one more time Britney Spears. um how did they get the element i particularly enjoyed for that how because literally she appears on screen and then the song starts playing every single time um it's fantastic uh, noel fisher is here I love Noel Fisher, and this is the first thing I remember seeing him in. Now he's more famous for Shameless uh, because he's Mickey on Shameless. Yeah. But um, he's a really good actor as uh, Troy McGinty, the bully Troy McGinty. What a name! And also, or- yeah, and Orlando Brown from That's a Raven as uh, another bully who's a stock who's a stockbroker. This is the most <laughs> just a just a teeny this is tiny the most stock creative. Broker. Bully choice I have ever seen in a movie. Period. They said by age 10, he was a millionaire. <laughs> by age 12, he lost it all. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, where is the movie about this like this like 12-year-old black billionaire? Like it's that like, makes no who, who like loses all his money and decides to gain it all back it's Wolf of by Wall bullying Street kids out of their lunch money. Yeah. That's if he was that smart, he would know that that's like the least efficient way to get back your million dollars. Yeah. Um oh. and then and also there's Lil Romeo as Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo's there. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing I didn't remember. Yes. I <laughs> remember that. The school, the suburban re- school in wherever USA and one of his <laughs> classmates just happens to be Lil Romeo. I remembered that Lil Romeo was there, but I did not remember that he was just <laughs> as himself. I was like, had the whole no limit thing down calling people whoa day ain't no other black kids in the school besides Orlando Jones just, Orlando Brown excuse me and I was like uh wow it, it this was is a very interesting school yes and apparently the school the school which is called Curtis Junior High by the way it has quote a long and fascinating history of colorful bullies Yes. What a thing to be known uh-huh. for. And uh, one of whom was named Wedgie Johnson or Wedgie, Wedgie Jackson. Wedge Wedgie Jackson, <laughs> who invented something called the World Wide Wedge. Oh no! Dear God. I, I was like, oh, I don't. No. I was like, you can't just say that and not depict it. I know. Um, what was so funny <laughs> is is that like as this movie was happening, I I like this is this is a movie that like. It puts me back in a very specific time when I would rent this movie from the library downtown and it would be like a late afternoon after all the neighborhood kids had been like playing outside for the entire day. And my brother and I would just sit down and watch this movie and to the point where I put this on and I was like, I don't remember a single thing about this movie. And yet I remember everything at the exact same time. (laughs) And I'm like, this is, this was something. (laughs) That. Yeah. That is a higher plane of nostalgia you've achieved. I, yes. I feel like that too. I, I owned this movie <laughs> on Disney DVD. Disney DVD. Uh, because uh, they they didn't have just regular DVDs. Right. It was you could either own it on video or a Disney DVD. <laughs> then it became mm-hmm. Blu-ray. 
<laughs> and now, and now, and now, I think um, I sent the I sent a screenshot uh, of a Infinity War ad to you, Dan. Where it was just like now available on Disney multiple digital. digital platforms. Oh no, no, <laughs> I was not even like, Disney oh, no. Digital. It used to be so simple. It was just it was just Don't video worry, and Disney. It will be Disney Digital in and, like ooh, nine ooh, months yeah. when Disney Plus comes <laughs> it, out. Yeah, by November, everything will be Disney Digital. I'm hoping I'm hoping Don't that worry. Max Keeble is one of the first titles on. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so this movie kind of like, it kind of like passed me by a little bit. I definitely seen, if not the full movie, at least parts of mm-hmm. it on the Disney Channel, like when it would have been like released to syndication yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it's the it's the genre of like in particular, like I feel like boys my age. So because I would have been what nine when this came right. out. So I was the right age demographic, I think. But um, this just wasn't the particular Disney movies that I was watching. I was still way right. into princesses right. at this mm-hmm. point. So like so like I caught it when it came onto TV, but I was probably just a tidbit too young and also a girl and therefore not maybe the target yeah. demographic maybe, maybe for this not. particular maybe one. Not. I don't know. I feel like I feel like it wasn't this type of movie and by this type of movie I mean ingeniously mischievous child causes tons of property damage. <laughs> <laughs> that that particular subgenre of movie that, that was out and about yeah. in the early 2000s and the late 90s and early 2000s. Because I kind of missed Home Alone, too, honestly. I, I know I've seen the first one and maybe the one where there's a different kid, but that one kind of passed me by, too. So yeah. maybe, this, maybe that just wasn't my genre of overly smart child ruins everything. Well, funny enough, I also didn't see Home Alone either. So I, I like missed that as well. So it was never like nothing. It didn't like latch on to me in some of the ways that um, I know other people were uh, like nostalgic for that movie as well, which is very interesting. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. there's a lot of movies like that. Like Home, I don't think I've ever seen the original Home Alone. I know about it like through cultural osmosis. I've seen Home Alone too, but I literally I, yeah. I went over to people's house to see Home Alone too. It was that there wasn't anything that was just on my radar in particular. Right. But um, mm-hmm. with uh, these particular movies like this and Snow Day, um, I don't know if you remember Catch That kid yeah i remember it Vaguely. happening but i don't think i saw oh yeah it. i went we, oh yeah i dragged my mother to see catch that kid <laughs> in theaters which is why this is why i sort of lament the fact that movies like this that are specifically tailored to kids don't get made right. because you can't even see it in the consensus that micah read on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. where they're just like it's fine for kids and i don't know when this notion started where, where like adults it was like some sort of requirement for the adult to also be in, like intellectually stimulated or whatever sure. by the fucking kids movie yeah. because I dragged mm-hmm. my mama to see everything from Quest for Camelot to The Page Master <laughs> to that was a good one you know my, my mother has seen Space Jam's more time Space Jam more times than anybody would reasonably want to see Space Jam <laughs> if they weren't like six years old when Space Jam came out yeah. right and yeah. Uh, I don't know where these newfangled fucking parents get off. 
Like I ain't. I don't want to take my kid to go. I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> take my kid to go see no daggone monster trucks. I was like, well, what if your kid wants to see monster trucks? My mother had to sit through everything, and let me tell you, she only liked about six percent of it. <laughs> Because that's what parents did. And I don't know what's going on right now, but that's the reason that Max Keebles don't get made no more. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of sad. But uh, it is kind of sad. And it's, yeah, and it's not to say that, um, it's not to say that I think that, like, the kids' movies that are getting made now aren't good movies, because I think there's the there are quality kids' movies yeah. being made that are, are like, like obviously, like, your Pixar movies, so, like, Up right. and Coco mm-hmm. and Inside Out. Like, those are incredible kids' movies that kids really enjoy, but, yeah, sometimes a kid just wants something, like, real dumb and hijinks Yeah, because the adult version of dumb gets made all the time, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, people think that they're too good. Get, they're too good to take their kids to see like I love I love these Pixar movies like Coco and stuff like that that come out that are uh, intentionally and uh, like deliberately emotionally manipulative and like playing on nostalgia really really heavy mm-hmm. um, but and even Inside Out which is a movie I love which is all about the sort of utilitarian nature of sadness as an emotion which I really enjoy I, I like stuff like that however uh kids movies in this vein in the vein of the max keeble i think the closest thing that i can think of recently is maybe like the diary of a wimpy kid movie oh yeah um i think well there's that one that's coming out this week on netflix that um zach stentz wrote i forget what it's called uh, it's oh, the ones where the uh the ones where the children have to save the world from the alien yes. apocalypse <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And, I can't remember what it's called. And then but yeah, that that did kind of feel like that, even though there's like world mm-hmm. ending stakes. Right. And I, that's weird that that movie could only get made with the fate of the world in the balance. Right. And then there's also that there's also the yeah. similar like world ending with kids kind of stakes movies um, that kind of like flew under the radar. I think it was a Grant Cornish movie called um, The Once and Something Once and Future King. Oh, the kid who would the be king. The kid who would be king. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that looks like it's going to be really cute. Or did that come that out already? It did already come it out. It did. Uh, I didn't, oh, I don't dang. remember it being in theaters for terribly long. No. Start Andy Circus's kid. Yeah. Uh, which was Oh, I didn't cool. realize that. But the, um, with, I want to sort of get us back on track to, <laughs> to Max Keeble. <laughs> okay. Um, the Noel Fisher bully character is probably the most charismatic performance in the entire movie. Really? You think so? Uh, I think so. Yeah, personally. Um, And maybe I'm just biased because, again, I really enjoy Noel Fisher as a performer, but I think he was was funny. Um, I thought all of the gags with Mr. McGoogles, the the fucking uh, frog, were genius. And I completely forgot about that whole thing, and I was laughing my ass off. Googles is me name. I like a swampy bog. It's time to play a game with your favorite Highland frog. One, touch your toes. Two, tweak your nose. Three, pinch your ear. Four, let it cheer. That was one of the first things I remembered <laughs> about Max Keeble. I would like, well, there was one time in like, there was one time a couple of years ago when I was like, I don't know, it was close to the time that I was graduating college. And somehow, for some reason, McGoogles just like the song 
Magoogles is me name. I have a swampy <laughs> it's such bog. A creepy song. It's time to play a game with your favorite Highland frog. Just popped oh into gosh. my head. And I was like, wow, <laughs> where did this come from? Oh my There's God. that higher plane of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Even though I think I think that it's very funny. Like the it's one of those things where now in 2019 on the internet, you have to sort of overthink everything that you consume. Yeah. And th- mm-hmm. there's certain things like the fact that this movie re- is sort of the re- result of like so much property damage. Yeah. There's a point at the end of the movie where a uh where the main kid, uh Max Keeble, uh lets a chimp a chimpanzee loose in a school. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, uh, luckily for him, nobody's face got ripped off. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Shocking. I have a um, deep and abiding terror uh, of monkeys, generally. You should. <laughs> Because they can rip your and face their off. their face ripping uh, qualities. So Understood. The chip made me so uncomfortable. Every time he was on screen, I was like, oh, it's that goddamn monkey. Oh, man. <laughs> no. And, like, the implications of a animal shelter that has all... Like, where are they getting all of these exotic animals? Like, Max Keeble rides an ostrich, an ostrich at one point. <laughs> Why? And like a shit ton of goats? Like what where are all these urban goats coming well, from? I mean like I think they had to I mean like they probably just were on set, I imagine, mm-hmm. because they came up with the idea of we have to make this kid relatable and likable somehow. Because otherwise, I mean, if you think about it, Max Keeble's a pretty just terrible person yeah he's a little shit <laughs> oh yeah he's just awful so, uh, so basically the the general gist in the movie is that max keeble after this terrible couple of days at middle school learns that his father who is being browbeaten by his boss uh who works for an ad agency is uh being moved out of town to chicago uh and max is going to have to move by the end of the week so he decides to take on these four bullies the Two bullies that we mentioned before, Noel Fisher and Orlando Brown. Uh, the principal. Pablo. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also of our childhoods yes uh (laughs) another another performer who i think had a part had a bit part to a major supporting role in basically every third thing that we watched as kids yes yes absolutely Um, and uh and a surprising not not surprisingly but an alarmingly Maybe wacky turn by Jamie Kennedy as the quote unquote evil ice cream man. Yes. <laughs> what an odd choice yeah. that was. Well, I don't think so necessarily. This was around the time of like the Jamie Kennedy experiment, which was a reality <laughs> oh, show yeah. that Jamie Kennedy yeah. had <laughs> on the greatest American network television channel, the WB. <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, not Jamie Kennedy himself. That made sense. But like, what what did the ice cream man do to the child? Or what did the child I do think the explanation, to the ice cream man? Yeah, I think the explanation was that Max found a cockroach in a snow cone. Yes. And then the health department cracked down on the ice cream man. So there's been uh, oh. bad blood ever since. <laughs> and, and <laughs> it's just such an 
odd, like it's it's such an off the wall choice that also really dates this movie like into its time period. Like that's the sort of like wacky thing that you would expect to come out of a writer's yeah. room in what was presumably like 1999, 2000. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I, and uh, to get revenge on all of these bullies, um, he like the principal who is always is screaming cease at the children (laughs) that see he he gets that's a good guy he gets my he gets my vote for like my favorite performance because he takes what could have been just a really antagonizing role and just elevates it to this like zany level that like even even like just watching this movie i picked out nuances and and like one off lines that he would like talk about with like miss rangoon his secretary i'm just be like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> that's in a kids movie yeah that's that's wild there's like a there's a prank where someone puts a sign behind him that says uh i have on a thong <laughs> and i was like oh wow okay well, sure. That, I that also is, like yeah. really genuinely laughed at the fact that he is wearing dress clothes every day, right? Yes, like he's yeah. the principal. Mm-hmm. But to deliver his morning address, he wears He steps a into suit. a suit jacket that already has half a shirt like, and a tie in it. Yeah, it's like the shirt and the tie and the, and the suit jacket and and you uh, and you put it on from the yeah. front <laughs> like a like a straight jacket. It's one of those boys, and it's one of those boys first like costumes that you you would get where you like tie it in yes. front or you tie it behind and they just be yeah, that's great it's what it's, you stuff a toddler into to be the ring bearer in your wedding and then he has and then he has like a, a sheet of the oval office come down at his window Jeez. yeah that was a that was a good gag like i this wasn't the most i laughed at any movie we've watched so far by any means but like that was a yeah. solid gag um but uh, he also sprays, he also has like breath spray that he uses all the time. Yep. And so Max puts animal pheromones inside the breath spray, <laughs> which causes a squirrel oh. to break into the school yep. and attack him. Um, uh, um, uh, and also the chimpanzee, which just knocked him over, didn't rip his face nope. off. So uh, I would say all in all, he came out, uh, he came out on top in terms of like uh, the danger that characters were in yeah. and the risk that their life like the mm-hmm. risk to their lives that that entailed yeah. but um speaking of the pheromones amber valetta as that science teacher made me so uncomfortable <laughs> oh. talking about the pheromones yeah. with those that like was... junior high children and also like, that's n- not how pheromones work no at all no, not at all not at all you're teaching those children it's... bad science and you're using the vo- like listen that there are times and places for that tone of voice <laughs> but teaching a class full of junior hires I is thought maybe that was weird it. even back then like in so I, I having seen the first time having seen this movie what was being in junior high I thought that was weird and just bizarre back then and isn't Amber isn't she the lady from Hitch 
Yes, she is Allegra Shaw. Yeah, yes. she's the lady from Hitch, and also she's the lady transporter from the second Transporter movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, she, yeah, she uh, she was around a lot during this particular time period. Uh, yeah, but yeah, there's um, uh, unreasonably and uncomfortably sexy teacher uh, played by Amber Valletta, who who uh, Josh Peck is infatuated by when he is not again trying to eat literal garbage <laughs> i love that i love that they just point that out to him they're just like come on man what are you doing they max gets dumped into like an a dumpster full of trash uh right before uh right before being uh basically the kids movie equivalent to tarred and feathered yep uh and oh, and then he gets dumped into the trash and uh he's got all this food on him and uh, including some spaghetti so he's gross and dirty and then josh peck he takes some of the spaghetti off of his shoulder and puts it and almost puts it in his mouth before everyone's just like uh and he's just like whatever prudes or what it's just a lot (laughs) and i was like why is i was like is is no one concerned for this little boy's health um and so they decide i mean people were still vaccinating their kids back then so he's probably yeah fine. that's fine that's 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 very fair um <laughs> then they decide to do this sort of multi-pronged attack on all the bullies right mm-hmm. uh which results in them taking the freon coil from jamie kennedy's ice cream truck orlando brown's palm pilot yep and uh putting them in a standoff with each other uh they decide to deliberately attack troy mcginty's childhood traumas yes uh with the theme song uh poor child (laughs) wow with the theme song for uh mr mcgoogle's uh the nightmare frog <laughs> because that is a scary costume. It is slash character. It really is. is ba- like people like throw around the term nightmare fuel really wantonly nowadays. I feel like, but that is actual nightmare fuel. Yes, it, it really. Is. Yep, I'm not gonna argue with nope. you on that. Um, I can really and understand why. Weaponized it I can understand why he wanted. Child. He felt like. Th- that frog was going to eat him. That mouth was so large. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then he's, and then like, then it turns out just to be Max's dad, and he's just like Troy, it's me. And then he's like, he's like, Mister McGoggles ate Max's daddy. <laughs> oh, that took me right on out um and all of this is be all these pranks and and all this terrible stuff is uh being pulled in the lead up to max moving uh and also uh the school district superintendent visiting the school uh, which is (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um there's also a food fight in this movie did y'all ever have food fights in school never never once Uh, they're so prevalent there was this one time when like two specific kids got in a fight like and they were actually like angry with each other and like fighting and they like poured milk all over each other but that was the closest yeah the closest thing we ever got was there was like a there's like a fight that broke out between two groups of people it was just like this one girl this other girl and then their various and sundry uh goons and associates (laughs) and uh (laughs) that's a good term for it i am 
only referring to you as a member of my various goons and associates from now yes, on. Of course, my goons all I remember is I was like, it was happening. There was all this arguing that was going on. And then one of the girls got hit in the back of the head with a burger. Ooh. And... It was like a wrapped burger, though. <laughs> so there wasn't even like oh. any spilling or anything like that. But then it just like a massive fight broke out in in like we we were a school that had fights or whatever. But like this was like upwards of twelve people just wailing on each other. Yeah. Um, oh no! And. Um, yeah, that's the closest thing we ever got to a food fight <laughs> in my experience at school. Everybody was just eating their food. Yeah, it's so bizarre um, that which like I th- every single like kids movie from this era has a form of food fight, you know? But also all of these kids yeah. go to school in some sort of suburb. Yeah. So uh, they <laughs> they have the money to waste food and are being fully nourished at home probably. True. Um, mm, facts. Yeah. Again, it's 2019 and we think too much about things. We do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thinking about the socioeconomic implications of food fights. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will be presenting a 10 page thesis paper. <laughs> We've done it. We've hit peak leftist millennial. <laughs> On privilege and palm pilots, Max Keeble's <laughs> oh, no. big move in 2019. Um, yeah. Where so. were you when I was trying to title journal articles in grad school? Though, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he gets all this revenge, uh, and his friends Zena Gray and Josh Peck. Um, are trying to throw a party for him and they're just like come to your party we're gonna have fun i'm baking a cake uh and he's like cool but before that can happen uh he is stopped by his crush jenna the young lady who is always introduced into the film by hit me baby one more time but britney spears <laughs> and she's just like you should come to this diner that doesn't have any adults. Um, <laughs> His children are like, uh, what, 11? That lets you dance on tables. It lets you dance on tables. And he's like, I kind of got like previous engagements going on. And she's just like, oh, let's just stay for one milkshake. And then it cut to reveal he stayed for several milkshakes with Lil Romeo. You just get the narrator voice from Arrested Development. <laughs> With, uh, uh, yeah, with Lil Romeo. He's chugging milkshakes with Lil Romeo, which, okay. So the end of the scene is they're throwing the party for him and he doesn't show up and they see him dancing on the table with uh, Jenna, who has a solid, like, foot and a half on him, by the way, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah, at least. And, um... Because she's because she is a ninth grader who still goes to this middle school, and because I guess that's how that breaks down a little bit sometimes. I don't know uh, how how yeah, it works. Yeah, I think in some schools would school do districts. like like some schools do like six through eight, and then some might do seven through nine, mm-hmm. and then my school just did. There was just seven and eight, and then gotcha. the rest. But we also had to share a building with the junior mm-hmm. hires because. There's only 200 of us, like, total, so. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um, he, they show up in, uh, there's, like, a Mean Girls before Mean Girls moment <laughs> where they're just like, we threw this party for you and uh, n- you blew us off 
And to my rebuttal, uh, being the little shit that I am, Max Keeble, would be like, I'm sure that your cake was great, but I just spent the afternoon chugging milkshakes with Lil Romeo. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a completely unfair rebuttal. Yeah, I was just like, did you guys forget that Master P's son, (laughs) Lil Romeo, goes to our school? (laughs) Why? I feel like that takes a little precedent a little over bit. your Betty Crocker confections. Oh, and uh, but but that's your sort of all is lost moment. And then he goes home to find out that they're not moving at all. Oh my God. His dad decided to stand up to the uh, the boss and quit and become an entrepreneur. Who co- conveniently was like they made they made a name so that it just sounds like a euphemism for what for what is being said because every single mm-hmm. time every single time he gets undercut um both both the dad and max they're like i've been forged yeah right <laughs> and i was like real clever really clever writers you you so clever <laughs> so uh max shows back up at school and he's hiding out because he was supposed to be gone but he's seeing the ramifications of his actions all of his old bullies are going after his friends the principal is uh is who was nominally evil at first is now literally knocking the books out of children's hands <laughs> wait um, can we talk about can we talk about when they infiltrate to put in the pheromones in the in the 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 bottle they log on to his computer and they see that he's stolen 97 percent of the school's funds to put towards the stadium that he's building for the football team (laughs) the stadium that he's building for the football team where the inexplicable exotic animal shelter is yes as a as a graduate of a high school that like only cared about a remarkably shitty football team uh, that built a new track when we were literally getting splinters in our feet because the theater's stage was crumbling. I related hard to that plot point. I was like, yeah, that's a thing that schools I know. do. It was just, it yeah. was just so nuts that it was like 97% something. <laughs> he also b- brought in to uh, augment the skill of the school's football team uh, what seems to be three fully grown men. <laughs> Just three 35 year old Eastern European men. <laughs> they were my favorite part oh, wait. of the film. Oh, no. But there's a moment where that all that facade drops, but we can let's get there first. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he he goes back in to see sort of the ramifications of all his all of his actions, and uh, breaks into the principal's office to do like a, an announcement over the TV screens. We didn't have the uh, school. TV screens or like a school news program or anything like that at my school. Yeah. Uh, b- oh, us either. Yeah. Uh, so seems 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 like a real uh, real. I don't know. Pennsylvania suburbs thing. That's the only place I could think of that probably happening <laughs> somewhere in my mind. You're probably um, not wrong though. <laughs> so yeah. uh, he he gets on those morning announcement uh, tapes to apologize to his friends and things like that, and leaves the camera on for the principal to implicate himself in uh, 
one, the uh, the explicit intent to take all of this money away from all of the school programs and put it towards this football stadium that he wants to build, which uh, much to the uh, the chagrin of the janitor who he insults, the uh, unnecessarily sexy science teacher. Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell as the music teacher (laughs) and uh and 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 throw all of that out the window uh and then uh There's a lot of slapsticky stuff that happens with the principal. We have Max show up to confront his two bullies, uh, Orlando Brown and Noel Fisher. <laughs> and uh, to which he is defended by Zena Gray, who comes out and plays uh, on her uh, clarinet, uh, which... Uh, is then cues the rest of the school's marching band to play a impeccable... <laughs> A, a a wildly accurate, <laughs> clear, and easy to listen to middle school band rendition of "We're Not Gonna Take It." Listen, I was in middle school band. We sounded like shit. Oh, no. Because no middle school band middle school is capable. Sound like shit. No middle, well, no middle school band. <laughs> they just do. I, I would argue that no, yeah, no middle school band has ever sounded like that in their life. It's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. Not this time. No. Not this time. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. I guess they were supplemented by the three middle-aged Eastern European yes, men that they they're were. passing so off they as just, junior high. Yes. <laughs> they kept the rhythm. They kept the rhythm with those tubas. Uh, so <laughs> they all confront the two bullies uh, and try and throw them in the garbage like they've been throwing other children into the garbage. The garbage. And uh, Max is like, you guys, if we do this... We're no better than the bullies. And then like, so what should we do? And he's like, let them go. And they let them go, but into the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Conflict resolved. Like, well, well, fine. <laughs> um, and A decent then, middle ground. Yep. And then uh, the love in, the uh, initial love interest of Jenna, who, as we have discussed before, is always introduced in this movie by Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, uh, comes in and is just like, uh, we're throwing a party later, but only ninth graders can come. Uh, she sneers at Xena Gray and uh, Max Cuba is like, nah, uh, I'm going to I'm going to hang out with uh, this lady who's my height. Uh, buzz off. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then uh, that's sort of over. And then we're left with the last bully, uh, who is Jamie Kennedy's evil ice cream man, chasing Max down the street um, because this was obviously planned as a Disney Channel original movie that was supposed to lead into a television series. Yeah. And <laughs> that's true. Uh, Although yeah. I will... Uh, well, we didn't. He sa- we didn't. We didn't get to the part where he saves the animal shelter, where he's oh, riding yeah, he the does. ostrich to by go riding the ostrich, riding the fucking ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, there is one moment in when um, Principal Jindrake is locked in that janitor thing, mm-hmm. where he runs and he hits the wall, and he's like, "Ah, I'm a caged bird." <laughs> and I 
I was like, whoa, what a choice. He also, like, crashes his car. Yes. Off screen. <laughs> towards the, like, when he's, like, sort of spying on yeah. Max Keeble going into the animal shelter. Yes. And then nothing ever comes of that. Yes. Like, and I'm pretty sure he also makes a Here's Johnny Shining he reference at one point, which exactly who in this target demographic is going to get a shiny reference? Now that was for but the sure. parents, you it see. Was. <laughs> it was for the adults like that, that had to that, sit that's through That's the it. bone they threw them. <laughs> hey guys, you remember The Shining? <laughs> Don't you wish you could be watching that instead? <laughs> but yeah, that was Max Keeble's big move. Uh, look, <laughs> I've got freezies. Mike has got freezies, Dan's got freezies, and we're gonna tell you about them when we get back. Me name. I like a swampy bog. It's time to play a game with your favorite Highland road. One, touch your toes. Two, tweak your nose. Three, pinch your ear. Four, let her cheer. I'm probably going to end the episode with the McGoogle song. Okay. Put in then the trap song that I sent you, which is called Max Keeble. And the hook of the song is I kid you not. Making big moves. I'm Max Keeble. Nothing else is related to the movie. That's the only thing about that song that's related oh to the gosh. movie. <laughs> that's so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're back. And this is the point in the episode where we give out freezies. Uh, freezies are awards that we give out to anything that we liked in the movie. They can be serious awards. They can be joke awards. For me, mostly they're joke awards. <laughs> but um, Dan, you know the drill. You're the guest. You get to give your freezy out first. Go. All right. First freezy has to go to Principal Jindrake. Um, he is my, he is my uh, Hutch Best Supporting Actor Award. Just because... You could have had a really like he could have like you could have had an actor come in and do like the standard antagonist role. But I just mm-hmm. have a feeling that there was like a collaboration between the the director and the actor in where they were just like, you know what? You, you got these lines, but you could you could just you go further. You go much further. <laughs> so just. Try things. Try whatever you'd like. And he developed this supremely idiosyncratic character that is just a, upon rewatch, is like next level for me. <laughs> so that's my supporting actor <laughs> award. Um, I will say I want to give I want to give an award to the entire cast because I feel like or I want to give an award to the entire cast and crew because I feel like. This movie was probably the most fun to make, if that makes sense. Like, I just, I could feel like everybody, like, in the cast and the crew was kind of, like, just enjoying themselves. And um, so I just want to give an award to a movie that seems to really enjoy the fact that it's one of the most ridiculous movies being ever being made. <laughs> um and my third freezy uh, has to go with uh, m- the most creative uh, bully choices in terms of the kinds of bullies <laughs> that they could have possibly invented for this movie. And I think because because like in they, w- 
relying they had to rely on the characters of the bullies to sort of drive the plot of this so the fact that they were just mm-hmm. like super creative with like the kinds of bullies and the things specific to them uh that show up in, re- in relation to their character is just really refreshing and nice to see in a movie they were the kids version of all of the side characters from lady in the water in their like inexplicable <laughs> specificity <laughs> Uh, Micah, uh, what are your freezies? So my first freezy goes to Josh Peck's bathrobe. Yes! Uh, you do you, kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? You want to wear a bathrobe to school every day. That's kind of fun. I could see a kid, like, actually doing that. So I thought that was kind of yeah. fun. Uh my second freezy goes to the soundtrack. Um, again, it's it's one of those things that just really hammers home the period that this is set in. And there was a lot of that like early 2000s light punk that I remember mm-hmm. being so much pop exposed punk. <laughs> to at the time. Oh. Um, so much pop punk. I didn't like get to listen to it on my own because I was a kid, so I only got to listen to what my parents listened to. So it was a lot of the police right. and share. But <laughs> um, but it but I if I had I had my choice, I probably would have listened to a lot yeah. of pop punk. And it's very um, evocative of that particular time period, which is as soon fun. as the opening riff kicked um, in, did make me I nostalgic. Was... Yeah, like that was that was where they started. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a lot of love in my heart for. Uh, uh, greatest day by bowling for soup um, <laughs> and for bowling for soup truth. generally yeah yeah bowling for soup we all listen to radio disney at some point yeah um <laughs> Uh, and my uh, my last freezy, I'm going to give it to the Eastern European football slash tuba players. Yes. They Their existence made me laugh a lot. And we've had a lot of um, talk about Attack of the Overdeveloped Teens <laughs> on this show. You yep. get a lot of like teen yep. movies where like, well, like we watched The Covenant last week and it is just like peak overdeveloped teens of 25 nuts. year olds playing like 16 year olds. To that episode and it was like whoa <laughs> what <laughs> I got I got really I thirsty. thought I had seen it and I had not and I was I was taken aback yes. I still refuse to be shamed it's great um, yes but this movie I feel like is it's 99% actual kids playing kids like like Max Keeble is so tiny oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like I question I was like how old is this kid are junior hires really that small yes they are they are uh, very much yeah that. they are we're just not we're just not used to seeing kids that are like actually yeah that age so that just it just made the 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 Swedish football players stand out even more because they're <laughs> clearly 35 like one of them's got a receding hairline it's ridiculous <laughs> And so it just made them even funnier because then it didn't feel like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to believe this is what the kids look like. And more like, oh, this is just this is just a solid gag mm-hmm. is you just got some middle aged Swedish men to show up and play football. And, and play then the they kind of did like this throwaway so, thing where yeah. um, <laughs> one of the Swedish kids finally speaks and is like, your reign of terror has come to an abrupt halt. And it's like perfect English. <laughs> and they're like, oh. We just broke our character. Go back to yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't oh, see anything. Man. All right. <laughs> 
All right, CJ, what freezies do you have for us? Okay, so I'm also going to give a shout out to the soundtrack. Again, Bowling for Soup. Love it. Uh, I'm glad Myra was still getting some work at this point. <laughs> this was that sort of, this was that uh, sort of three year period where Myra was not really a thing. But she was a thing for Disney soundtracks. Yep. She did this song called Girls Like Boys for this uh, this movie and another song, I think, months later, uh, just a few months later for The Princess Diaries called Miracles Happen. Mm, I remember that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep. everyone oh, remembers I Miracles Happen. I vividly remember, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and shout out to a children's version of Bust a Move <laughs> called Big Move. Featuring Little uh, Romeo. By, oh, yeah. By Little Romeo. Got to. Right at the uh right at the end there. Uh my I am so fond of the fact <laughs> that Lil Romeo <laughs> was just playing Lil Romeo in this. Yes. It makes no sense. <laughs> they never establish where they are. Yeah. <laughs> Like where what town this is supposedly in, and, but it I just I was it's it's so funny like it would be like if some teen drama just inexplicably had Sean Mendes as <laughs> a supporting character as himself <laughs> as himself just and they and everyone would just be going about their day and then they'd pass him in the hallway and he'd go hey and then someone would go sup Sean Mendes and <laughs> I mean, Ed Sheeran did show up on Game of Thrones for a minute, so is but that he wasn't. is that our Lil Romeo? <laughs> but was Ed Sheeran <laughs> Ed Sheeran on Game of I Thrones? Wanted, yeah. Because if so, <laughs> that's fair. That's fantastic. Yes, Sir Ed Sheeran. <laughs> um, but yeah, and my third and final freezy goes to the casting director because this movie is really great. Yeah. And it's filled with people who definitely could have just like I, I I honestly I truly believe in my heart of heart and in my bones that had this movie been a wild success this world that they created for it including all of these actors in their same roles would have been in a Disney Channel original series the ne- the following oh, year certainly or at least mm-hmm. like a direct um, yeah. uh, direct to TV sequel of the movie like that was just it just seems perfectly primed for that and Mm -hmm. uh it only made back about uh 70 percent of its budget that's probably why it never happened but uh yeah that's what did it yeah so yeah it's time for us to figure out or decide whether or not the movie is still fresh or is it freezer burnt dan what say you i feel like my decision is colored a lot by nostalgia. Um, but I'm going to go with still fresh because it weirdly enough, uh, it's like one of those, it's like, it's like a, um, having a meal from your childhood and not remembering what it tastes like. And then being like, Oh, there are flavors in this that I didn't even realize were in there. Um, when, when you take a bite of it and, I think that was my experience watching this movie. There were like things that I picked up on uh, that just flew over my head in 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 middle school when I first saw this that I was like, 
Yeah, that I mean, I had I had a good time watching this, and I had a good time revisiting it, uh, and 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 revisiting sort of that state of mind that I was in when I first saw this movie. Sweet, Micah, still fresh your freezer burn. So, while this like it, this isn't a movie that I'm probably gonna go back to ever um i'm still gonna give it a still fresh because i could see like a kid like i could see a target the target demographic from the 2000s like in this era like watching it and having like a decent time Mm -hmm. like i can see a junior high or younger kid watching this and enjoying the hijinks and thinking that it's funny because there were still elements that even now i did think were very funny so i um for that reason i'm gonna give it a still fresh because it's for the kids Sweet. Uh, I'm also going still fresh. This is a great. This is a great kids movie, in my opinion. Um, it is not too long. It's funny. It's got a really game cast and hijinks ensue. Uh, so I think I think uh, Max Kubel's big move is uh, totally one to show, to put on for the little cousins or your children. I don't know mm-hmm. how you uh, make your decisions. Um, and and have them pacified for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I. I think that it's good. I thought that it was good back then, and I would totally 10 out of 10 recommend it to you and your kids here in the year of Blue Ivy Carter 2019. So uh, that's it for another episode of Below Freezing. Dan, thank you for coming back and hanging with us. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you guys for bringing me on for the Max Keeble episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i was so excited um, i think before we settled our route you were you were in you came in before we settled our uh rules so we have to pick the next movie that you come in for. that's totally fine that's completely fine with me. <laughs> uh, but um, tell people where they can find you on the internet, Dan. Sure. Uh, you all can find me at the D Purcell on Twitter and Instagram. That's at the D P U R C E L L. Um, at some point this summer, I'm going to be releasing music. Fingers crossed Ooh. that it actually comes out <laughs> um uh, i i do host another show on, on my youtube channel and i'm retooling it into a podcast it's called the Mixdown. um i talk about music as it relates to uh culture on the internet and uh yeah it's a good time um i have five episodes up on my youtube channel right now if you want to go check that out it's at youtube.com slash c slash dan purcell um and yeah, that's where y'all can find me. Sweet. Micah, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Micah Renee B. And you can find me on Instagram at Lowkey Stroke the Lemur. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CJ period. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it. You can find the show at Below32Pod, Facebook, Instagram, 
and Twitter. And uh, if you like the show, please give us a review. Five star reviews. Make sure other people have access to the show and can see it. They send it up that chart that nobody knows how to work. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't even think um, Apple Podcasts knows how it works. <laughs> no, none nah. of us understand it. We just try to give it what it wants. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also let us know if uh, there's something about the show you don't like and we'll figure out what we're doing uh, not so great and try to make that better and figure out what we're doing good and try and do more of it. Uh, next, uh, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what movie we're doing next week. <laughs> <laughs> the schedule got a little jumbled. Um, but uh, some of the movies coming up that uh, we are comfortable with letting you know about <laughs> is uh, our friend Roman RBC is coming on uh, soon to watch and unthaw the uh, sci-fi cult classic or or is it fantasy? It looks like both from the trailer. We can't tell. <laughs> yeah, we can't tell, honestly. Uh, Kroll. He's coming to watch Kroll with us, so that should be fun. Uh, good friend of mine and huge D&D enthusiast. Trivia is coming on to watch the uh, 2000 Dungeons and Dragons film with oh. us. and Very excited for that one. And our friend, uh, photographer and uh part-time filmmaker James Williams is coming on pretty soon to watch a film called Timeline with us. A Dick Donner movie that I had never heard of and I'm very excited to watch. <laughs> so until then and until next week, we'll see ya. Y'all stay frosty. <laughs>